The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Welcome to season seven, season seven. I'm Julie Fowdy. She's Lynn Ozawi. And this, my friends, is Laughter Permitted. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Jules. Ah, it's so good to be back. Yes. Hope our dope village is fabulous. We missed you all and are looking forward to putting together perhaps our best season yet. Do you remember the day, actually, Lynn, when we were instead singing, Who's got a podcast? We do, we do. Who's got a podcast? We do, we do. (laughs) I do remember. I do remember. And we are starting off with a trailblazer in every sense of the word. Oh, my gosh. It is hard to find, actually, an appropriate adjective for our first guest, Dr. Nadia Nadim, because amazing doesn't even come close. She is a pro soccer player, a doctor, as I just mentioned, UNICEF ambassador, refugee advocate, and author, just to name a few things. Nadia plays professionally here in the United States for NWSL's Racing Louisville and is a star on Denmark's national team, sitting at 99 international caps. She just got her medical degree last month, and in this podcast, she shares her story of fleeing her home country of Afghanistan with her mom and four sisters after her father, who was a general in the army, was murdered by the Taliban when she was 10 years old. It was at a refugee camp in Denmark that she got introduced to soccer, and her story does feel, even as rich as it already is, that it is in fact just starting. This is a remarkable conversation with an even more remarkable woman. So get comfortable listening. It's Dr. Nadia Nadim. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And Honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, 
you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. How are you? Amazing, actually. I'm doing very well. I'm happy to be back in the States. In yes. Louis. Yeah, I've been busy. I've done my rehab very well. And, you know, I've been this last week been tested through with everything they could find. Um, so good place physically. And you're, and you're good to go? Like you're cleared? I'm cleared to, to be a part of team trainings, but with no contact yet. Um, so I'm yeah. doing a lot of like the technical stuff, passing drills. Of course, I'm doing a lot of gym, a lot of cardio training now, uh, because it's been only five months after my surgery, you know, yeah. Yeah. I can't be in contact yet, yet. Um, I think they wanted to be, um, they want my, like my muscle to be a bit like bigger, my, especially my right leg before I can be in contact. That's probably going to take me a month, month and a half to build that stability even more. And the goal, fingers crossed, is to also play in Euros, right? Yeah, Over the summer? I know. That's what I'm trying to. Oh, I saw you're on 99 caps. I was checking I that know, out. I know. It's crazy. Before I just got injured, I was supposed to hoop my 100 caps. Oh. I think they were like trying to prepare something very nice. And then I just got injured. It's just like... It's, it is what it is. You know, I'm going to have my, hopefully my hundred caps at the Euros <laughs> or before. <laughs> I, I, saw, I, I did check out your group too. I was like, oh, damn. Our group <laughs> is freaking fire, huh? I saw it as well. I was like, shit. <laughs> I know it's Spain and Germany. I know. I was like, it's, it's Spain, Germany, and Finland. Yeah. I was like, damn, that's a group. That's going to be some, it's going to be some good games. I hope. Uh, Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Um, Nadia, the first thing we always do on the podcast is we have our guests set the scene. So where they're at, what they're doing, how they're doing, all those things. Okay, great. I mean, I am here in Kentucky, Louisville at our facilities, our training, amazing training facilities. I've just had training and I did media. I had lunch. Now (laughs) I'm here in our media media room. Um, I'm talking to you. They, they really need to work on their background in their media room, I think. I know. I, know. I was like, wow, that's that's white. It's, it is white. It's very clean as a table, three chairs, <laughs> TV, that's it. Um, but yeah. Because I heard everything else there is like top notch. Let's just get a pretty little print in the background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I know. To be honest, I think these facilities are amazing. They have literally everything. I am... Yeah, I feel very grateful to be here. Um, especially our quarantine, canteen, the food they make is. Oh really? I oh, just man. told you what I was eating. Yeah. It's level, yeah. You're you're it's, definitely eating. Better. I know, I know. I'm like yes, I'm so grateful. It's <laughs> awesome. So Lynn, Lynn and I have decided we're going into our season seven of the podcast. We're just gonna your story is gonna be the entire season seven. We're just gonna do ten yeah. episodes with you if that's oh, okay. Oh wow! Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, we were trying to decide where to begin, and we decided we're going to begin with a slow clap for Dr. Nadia Nadine. Slow clap for <laughs> Seriously. Oh, that's crazy. Congratulations. Oh, that, thank was, you. that was just last month where you became Dr. Nadine. It's crazy. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I know I can't believe it myself sometimes. I'm like, oh, it took me ages. And, you know, the last three months, probably the hardest three months of my life, I was, uh, I don't get stressed. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm immune <laughs> to stress, but I think this is the close I've ever been to feeling stressed. I was, I was like, how the, what's happening? And then how, how am I going to get through this? Uh, I'm so happy that it's over. I'm I feeling so relieved. Uh, I feel like uh. I've lost 20 kilos, like, you know, from <laughs> my shoulders. Just, I was crying my my eyes out when I just came out and they were like, yeah, this is it, Nadia, you're done. Dr. Nadim. I came wow. out, the entire family was there, you know, and I I was just crying. I'm like, oh, oh, of course. My mom was like, what are you crying for? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just so happy. Yeah, it was just happiness and relief at the same time. It was amazing. Are you are you putting Dr. Nadim on your jersey? I heard I've heard you say that. Please tell me you are. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe before my first game. I don't even don't know if it's yes. can you do this? Yeah, I'll you be... totally can do that. If they can I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Do it. Okay. How many other doctors do you see the prey? No one. So I'm gonna be like the first one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it should actually be like, I'm a doctor. What are you? That's yes. the whole thing. I want it on the back. <laughs> what what have you done lately? Question mark. <laughs> I'm a doctor. What's up? <laughs> I know. I'm a doctor, bitches. What you got? <laughs> no, they just raised the roof. You're dear to my heart forever. I love it. So what inspired you to get on the journey to becoming a doctor? Um, I think, you know, honestly, it was a bit of a random um, to start with. Um, I remember my mom always wanted me to become a doctor. And I was like, no, not going to happen. You shouldn't decide what I want to do. Like, it's my mom, but I was like, no, I'm going to do. She was like, yeah, but, you know, Asian parents are always this way. Lawyers, <laughs> doctors, engineers. I was like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. So I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to be doing business, you know, uh, finance. I thought Wall Street, this is where I'm going to end up. Mm. But then I, uh, it wasn't really me. I bought a kiosk to see how everything was working behind the scene when I was 19. And I was imagining having like one, two, three, four, entire chain, like 7-Eleven. Um, but I was like, nah, this is too boring. I'm too young for this. So that wasn't me. And then I, I really wanted to become a lawyer at a certain point because I saw a movie with uh, Tom Cruise. And I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing. He seems super cool, you know, like um, this is going to be me. I'm blanking on the movie. What? It's such a good movie. It's uh, where, it's, where it's like, you can't handle the truth. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, um... <laughs> Um, come on, you need me on that wall. You want few, me on that wall. A few, a few good men. Yes. I Googled it. Yes. That's a sick one. Um, but then, you know what? I, I, I got to internship in a law company for three months and I just felt it was very boring. It was the same thing they're doing. And I wanted to have the interaction with people. So in ninth grade, um, we have this one week in Denmark where the, students are allowed to go and kind of see what kind of areas of interest they have to see how things works. And everyone obviously goes and internships places they like. 
I wanted to go to the nearest hospital because it was close to our house. And that way I could sleep in for an entire week. So I didn't have to like wake up earlier. So this is what I did. And I was like, wow, this is very cool. You know, I, and I saw this uh, surgeon doing his thing. I really enjoyed the interaction, but also the, you know, the way they were working. So when the day came, like new, the day I had to choose for my university, apply for the university, I was like, you know, I like working with people. Um, I think I also love the fact that you can help people be in a situation where we have so much responsibility, you know, save someone's life eventually. Um, and, and, and you also make a lot of money as a doctor. I was like, you know what? I think I will be a doctor. So I just wrote like, you know, medicine and then the ones, uh, university that wanted, um, I wanted to be in. And yeah, two weeks later, I got uh, accepted and I've loved it every semester. You know, I think it's such a great thing. And I, I love being in the operation rooms. Uh, you know, as I said, that in pumping and you feel the pressure. You have to know things, but also you have to be smart, you know, um, uh, like with your hands. I like to do things with my hands. I, I like that you have a problem. You come to the surgeon, the surgeon's going to fix you and the problem is gone. <laughs> That's that, so cool. I know that. That interests me a lot. Um, so I think that was kind of the background for it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you sew them up with your feet or something like that instead I'm of your not, hands, but not yet. <laughs> so how in the world did you do it while being a professional athlete? And logistically, what was, how long did it take geographically or all over, literally all over the globe at times? It was crazy. You know, in Denmark it takes six years. Uh, you have the gymnasium that's three years and that's where you kind of prepare for the university. So you need to have certain subjects. I, I think you guys call it pre-med, you know, but for us, that's like the high school or gymnasium. Um, so I did this three years and then the six years, um, three years is bachelor and the three uh, last years or, or master's. Um, so the bachelor part I did while I was playing in Denmark. So I did it just like, you know, from seven to three, I was in school. And then I used to drive an hour and a half to practice where you practice like later, you know, around 6 PM, uh, train, go home, sleep, repeat. I used and then I <laughs> play games in the weekends. Um, so that kind of was working out, but obviously we're stressful. Um, but then when I started becoming you know coming to overseas it was a bit harder um just because you have to be at the masters every semester there's like two months of internship which was mandatory you have to be there and it wasn't possible for me to attend so it kind of extended my studies got extended more than usually uh and and for me when i was in england and paris it wasn't possible i could I could do my, you know, my theses, I could do research projects and all that, but I couldn't be at the hospitals. Mm. While when I was playing in the US, it was possible because the seasons are shorter. And then I just, the semester starts in September, end of August, and then goes to January. But like the end of the semester, it's like two months of internship. So I used to come middle of the semester, go to the internship, and then just go to my exams and all like the theory theoretical part I was studying at home basically <laughs> and uh, and yeah and it kind of figured out and it took me usually as I said it takes six years um it took me plus 10 years I would say uh, but to fit in all the residency yeah, stuff I know. oh I mean I can't even imagine because it's hard enough being a professional athlete with with timing and sponsorship commitments and national team duties on top of that and you're traveling all the time and so 
Uh, I, uh, I, I bow to you sister for, for getting that done. Thank you. Appreciate that. Congratulations. Um, Let's rewind. And, and for, for many listeners uh, on the podcast who haven't heard your, your incredible story, let's go back to your childhood because you were born in Afghanistan, of course, Nadia, and then you had to flee your home country when you were 11 years old. Cause so can you take us back to that time? Yeah. Um, definitely, you know, yeah, born in Afghanistan, you know, raised, uh, born in Herat, which is close to the Iranian border, because my dad was a general, and we used to mm-hmm. move around everywhere. But all my memories I have is are from Kabul, the capital. Um, and then, yeah, there, I think my memories are divided into w- w- the first phase. I had like a very safe childhood, you know, my, my, my mom was a lecturer in school, my dad was a general, we used to live in a very safe environment. Um, I used to every day, like around 4 or 5pm when the sun was weaker, my mom used to dress up us up and we could go downstairs and play with every other kids, you know, just be ch- children, I guess. And then um, all that kind of changed. And then, you know, my memories are the last phase that I um, spend it in Afghanistan are way different than what I had at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. Taliban gained power. Uh, my dad was executed because he was a general in the former regime. And then, you know, he was a powerful man. Um, he got removed. And then I remember, you know, being a single mother with four or with five uh, girls. Um, uh. Extremely hard to, to have a normal living. Uh, and Beside that, you they also brought in all these rules in terms of that girls weren't allowed to go to school, women weren't right. allowed to be outside, um, to do daily chores, just like going groceries. Um, um, so it made it extremely hard to just function uh, and have have a normal life. Forget the future at this point we weren't even thinking about the future. We're just like trying to have a normal life or survive at least. Um, so yeah, we, we tried, uh, my mom at least tried for a long time to make it work. It didn't happen. And then at a certain point, you know, enough is enough. Uh, she sold everything we had, um, you know, the cars or houses, wherever, and jewelries, uh, and found the right people um, to get us out of there. Uh, right to try to find a yeah a better future, I guess, for us. Um, because I'm pretty sure if we've stayed there, um, you know, five girls, uh, a single mom, not allowed to do anything. And also the yeah. way my mom's, you know, my mom is the way she thinks um, and the way she's raised us, I don't think we would have lived or had a, a life, I guess, uh, yeah. just because, you know, she doesn't, she's not okay with everything was that, that was happening. She didn't right. understand why are women not allowed to go to school. Education is key. She knew this, like, since I yeah. was a child, a baby, she always said, like, education is very important, you know? And suddenly certain people coming in and telling you guys are not allowed to educate yourself. So she had, like, it was not working for her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, we got, we were low profile. We were not allowed to very pack anything or, or you know say goodbye to people uh, happen uh, from one day to the other uh, we transported to Pakistan um, with a minivan and in Pakistan uh, we were there for in Karachi for a couple of months uh, until 
So this human smuggler used to come in every every second week, a uh, little guy, chubby little guy with a gold chain and very dark and o- mustache with oily hair. He had like amazing hair, but very oily. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing you remember that. I know. <laughs> I remember it very detailed, you know, and he used to wear like these, um, you know, traditional Pakistani white clothing. Um and he used to come every yeah second week or sometimes every week and would say that I have these passports that will fit three of your kids. Mm. So at this point, we're waiting for him to find uh, passports that matches our profiles, um, so we can leave the country with airport, like from the airport with airplane. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, and he would he would come, and and, and my mom would my mom would say no we want to stay together i want my children uh, and me leave to leave together um so this was going on for a couple of months and one day he came and he said does it i found a a family that actually matches you or your guys's profile a single or a mom with this amount of kids uh, and I don't know, I think when, uh, to be honest, I think the passports when, when I was younger, you just had to write the names of the kids. It wasn't necessarily with the pictures. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. But this was before 9-11. So things were a bit easier at that point. Right. right. So, and he gave us a bunch of clothes, uh, Pakistani traditional clothes. And he said, you guys are going to wear this and make sure that no one's going to discover that you're not Pakistani, because if they do discover, you're going to end up in jail or and sent back to Afghanistan and then at that point is game over yeah uh, so yeah and remembering that he was walking with we us behind him following just cruising through the security I felt like everyone knew what was happening um uh. from, yeah they've been paid you know uh, and uh, the next thing I know is that I'm sitting in the PIA Pakistani uh, airlines and on my way out of Pakistan uh, and uh, it was it was pretty. I was very excited because it was my first time flying in the air airplane. <laughs> the, the stewardess were super nice, you know. They come with like you know chocolate, or uh, you have to if you want to draw anything. It was weird because in one one side you're so t- like scared and it, like you know you're fleeing for your life and you're at the edge. Don't make a mistake. Even I'm at this point ten years old. Yeah. No, the only thing was going through my mind is don't fuck up, don't don't <laughs> let them discover. Or I'm even taking care of my younger sister. I'm like, she better not say anything. Um, and on the other hand, I'm actually also excited because I'm like, oh, I've never seen this before. <laughs> and so it, was, it was a it was a weird mixture of feelings. Um, but then yeah, we were arrived in in Italy, uh, and then from there. Uh, we were transported to this basement by this East European guy. Um, and the basement, um, which was like around 45 minutes from the airport, uh, it was like a basement apartment uh, with two sofa beds on the sides. At the end of it, there was like this dirty ass toilet. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Every time, I even when I think about it, I could smell it, you know, the, it was... Uh. It felt like a stop for a lot of people, I guess. Everyone has been yeah. think they've done that a lot of times, you know. So it just seemed very dirty and the toilet has been clogged and it was like shit everywhere. And 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 then on the other corner of the, the apartment, you had a little 
table with toast and you can make some coffee or tea and a little screen with uh, Eurosport showing some kind of ski hop. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, All these little details that you remember. Yeah, I know. I know. It's very, I said, very, I remember everything vivid. I think I have a photographic memory. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, I remember also not wanting to eat or drink anything because I was scared I have to go to the bathroom. And um, <laughs> you didn't want to go into that bathroom. Yeah, no, not going to happen. <laughs> we were there for, I think, a day, a day and a half. And then the same guy comes back and he's like, this is now. And we just follow after him. He, he we sit here in his, uh, you know, golf, a little golf car, Volkswagen. Um, and he drove us to to a um, parking area with where the trucks, lorries would like park. So kind of bigger than normal parking areas. And he told us, whenever I say so, you guys are going to run behind that truck. I, mm. I remember being very confused but your adrenaline is pumping at that moment you know you're really in the zone like okay I need this is this is the mission this is the task and I can I could tell my mom was like half confused um she took the youngest one in her arms uh, my older sister and I we were making sure that the two other because we were five sisters yeah. the two other ones are in like have a hand and then one of us are holding the back and we were running after them so we climbed behind the truck and in the truck, uh, they had made space like really in the back of the truck. And we were told not to say anything because if we were again discovered that there are people behind the lorry, then the person, the driver is going to be in prison and we're going to be sent back and eventually die, you know? So I think everything was very extreme. And, 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 and as a kid, there are moments I'm confused, but other moments I also, you know, that this is yeah. reality. You know that this, this is no game. This is no joke. You don't want any attention. You don't want to know nothing. You just want to follow what's been said and you want to do it as perfect as possible. So at this point, you know, as I said, and we've been almost getting used to do this for years now. So when my mom was saying, Shh, it was like, Shh, for hours. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, we were sitting there and 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 uh, and the same thing. We had a ball of water, but I didn't want to drink because then I had to pee in the corner of the truck. And I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna do that in front of my family." I mean, I was ten, but still had my dignity. <laughs> and yeah, did you know I, where you were going? No. So of what I know, I think it's something I, uh, you know, I was told that we were going to because I we had family in England in London. And I think the idea was for us, we never had this conversation with my mom that we're right. going to blah, blah, blah. As I said, no time for that. But I knew that we're going to London because of my family. So everyone kind of knew this is where we're going. So yeah, after I think two days or I don't know, more than 50 hours. Uh, I don't remember how long we were there, but I think I assume it's about, yeah, two days we were stopped uh the bus started like to you know move slower and then you can feel like the swings and um, when you say yeah. 50 hours you were in the bus that entire time yeah and and uh he said uh, he you know kind of knocked on the side of like a door and was, i think was yelling us to get out we got out. Um, I was very confused. I was super hungry, almost like dehydrated, you know, because you're like, <laughs> been there for ages. 
Um, and yeah, it was like this little city. Uh, and for an hour or so, we were just walking around confused. What the hell's happening? Where are we? In my mind, I was like, I thought that London was bigger. And secondly, there was food in my mind. I needed something to eat. Um, so when I don't eat, I become a diva, I guess, because <laughs> I don't remember anything. I just remember the thinking of food. Um, but after an hour or so, uh, my mom uh, sees this old guy walking uh, with his dog and uh, goes to him and asks where we were and where the police station was. And the guy explained to her that this was Rana's in Denmark and, and police station is like in the corner of that side. Uh, and my mom came back and she said, we are in Denmark. And I was confused. I thought, what? What, where is that? <laughs> You're like, wait, I thought we were going to go into London. <laughs> where is the Londoner I am? And to be honest, at, the, at, the, at that point, I didn't really care. I knew we were safe. You weren't yeah. hearing sounds of war. Uh, and we were together. That's the most, most important uh. thing. And um, we find the police station. My mom went up. We knocked on the door. As I said, it was super empty. It was 20th of April, which is an Easter day that year. Uh, and it was like a holiday so everything was just like shut down we arrived like around four or five a.m um so it was no one was there and 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 there was one police officer that my mom finally found and um yes she said that she was this person and she was seeking asylum and then she went inside the room with him we were sitting outside the office i guess his office I think this is the protocol that when people are coming in, you start to, they start to interview the first thing. Who are you? What do you want? What's happening here? How do you, you know, get here? Right. And my mom sat there for like 45 minutes or so, like kind of like a speed interview. And then after that, he came back and he looked at us and, and then, you know, I think he could kind of sense that we were hungry or dehydrated or everything. He then set us in his car, police car, <laughs> and he uh -huh. drove us little kiosk where he got some milk bananas toast uh, for us to Aww. have yeah the guy was so nice he's like you know i met him almost 20 years later oh really wow. the first police officer yes i've mentioned the story like probably a million times because i think he was one of the nicest person i've ever met uh -huh. he had green eyes you know like nice hair he was so nice and you just felt like you're obviously super scared you don't know what's happening so the first person that you meet is going to make a huge impression on you. And I think he, he's probably the reason that I want to like become a doctor later on and, and, and wanted to help people because I saw how he affected us in that situation. I just yeah. felt comfortable or he, he made us feel secure somehow in a, in a weird way. And uh. well, yeah, the kindness, he, I think it was 20 Krona, which is at that point right now is $3, three and a half dollars he spent. But for me, this is like the biggest thing anyone could do yeah. for you. You're starving and he just bought you a banana and a milk. And I was like, oh my God, this, is, this guy is amazing. I know it was, it was so emotional when I met him. I actually met him for the launch of my book. I didn't knew he was going to be there. So he kind of surprised us. And my sister was, oh, no way. I was like, stay strong on yeah. Because every time <laughs> I talk about this guy, I get very emotional. Because, you know, kindness or humanity it's just like one little act at the end. It, it doesn't take much. You don't have to do climb a mountain. You just sometimes is enough with acknowledging another human being, just like smiling eyes. It's more than enough.
Oh, I'm gonna I cry. I know. I so yeah, I'm trying very hard right now. No. Oh God. So did he walk up to you and say, "Hey, I'm the police officer"? Did he did he introduce himself that that you met that first day? No, because he obviously we knew he was a police officer. But I remember him like doing this, and this is international sign for hunger. I was like, yes, very. Uh rubbing your stomach well, at the, no, at, do you mean at the book signing I meant at, yeah sorry I meant at the book signing when it when oh. he when he saw you you know yes. say, oh, what, yeah. what did he say so he came he's like do you remember me and I was like because I you I don't know I remember him that way because he's 20 years long time you know he's getting older but I because I've spoken so much of him I kind of knew that this is something has to do with that and then he's like yeah it's me oh his name is Oge, uh, Oge in Danish. And then I was like, oh my God, I just can't believe this. I was like, oh, I just want to say thank you. You literally, you are the reason that I'm doing so much more than just being a footballer. Like, I think that you're the reason that I want to be this kind of person. I Aww. think, I think, I know, I, I literally, I said, I said, you're the reason that, you know, I have this fire of, I want to do more. I want to help people. You know, you, you started a spark in me. I think in my family, you know, my sister is a doctor, the two youngest one nurses. I think everyone is like kind of in the same area. We want to help people. Yeah. So I think he, he plays a huge role. I don't, and I was like, I want, I want you to know this because for you, you probably even remember this because whoever well, 20 years old and you probably met so many people since then, but you just did this and, and it was huge for us or for uh. me. Yeah. It was a very nice moment. And, and, and you know, I met, I met with him and his wife afterwards. I invited him to one of the games or the national team. Aww. Yeah, he, he told me, he's like, I knew of you because one of my kids uh, after one, like, I think seven, eight years or 10 years later when I made the national team or whatever, had spoken about me that there was this family who arrived in Ghana's and uh. he, kid has asked the dad were you there that day and he's like yeah it was me so he knew of me before <laughs> oh he went oh my god that is wild it was like a movie and i was i was just in shock um i was trying very hard not to cry i remember being very emotional my sister was bawling her eyes out i was like i got a book signing to do get your shit together <laughs> but it, it went well yeah um and from there, back to the story, I think from there, he, yeah, he set us on a train. Um, and then the train went to Copenhagen because Ranas is like, well, three, three, three and a half hours away from Copenhagen, which is the capital. And in Copenhagen, you have this center called uh, Sandholm Center, which is for everyone who comes in in the country, like, you know, everyone, families, ex-criminals everyone just goes there it's like a prison to be honest because you know they have like huge fences with with the with the metal things around um Barbed wire. yeah exactly you have police officer guarding outside and it's you can't really in and out if you want to so we went there and then you know you get your uh, fingerprints taken and pictures and all that and then yeah we were there for a month or so because there are kind of trying to figure out what you think is right or not and my mom was having interviews like twice a day uh, she needed to explain what who she was and I think they also double check everything they have contacts in the in the embassies around the world in Afghanistan Kabul checking if 
this is true, the person, do we know a general with this name? Mm-hmm. And after a month, we were then deported to another refugee camp in, in Denmark, which was in the north, north part of Denmark. And that's where you wait for no matter, like a very long time. Certain people were there for four or five months, still waiting for them to get a positive answer or a negative. A positive answer means you can stay for three years. A negative answer means goodbye, you've been deported. Mm-hmm. And the police are going to come literally. If you're not willing to leave, the police are going to handcuff you, put you in a car next in the airport and then drop you off wherever you came from. And and I remember we yeah, have been there for eight months, I think, while, you know, the process is going on and everyone has a number, you know, you have a like a refugee number. And I remember, you know, my mom's number and you have like this office that everyone goes past the office to see if there's letter for them, you know. So the letter, you never know. It's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. So I used to, used to always, I used to always go like that was my routine, like right. every day to see if there's letter for my mom. And um, and yeah, so in the in the camp, that's where I also start playing football. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How did football come into your life? Magic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I always feel it, it was meant to be. Uh, almost feel it was my fate to be. You know, my path to be in that camp refugee. I needed to be that place, and I don't know how, but I'm always super grateful that it happened that way. Um, so the refugee camp was um, beside these uh, football fields, a football club, uh, Gook football club. And so the only thing kind of that divided the refugee camp was this, this like half wood uh, with a lot of trees and then like a metal fence. And, you know, when you're young and we used to go to school from like language classes from, uh, was it eight to one? And after that, you just had the entire time. And me coming from a country where you weren't allowed to do shit basically freedom to explore and you know i've been very curious person we just like be around everywhere from day to night and very soon we discovered the fields um like amazing fields with the like the football goals everything and and this is right next to the camp it sounds like you're just an incredible setup I know it was. And, you know, so as I said, you had like you had this wood area and sometimes you had to go through a little path in the jungle to go to the fields. It was like I would say almost like half a kilometer of maybe six, seven hundred meters. But then you will arrive there and you had like amazing fields. And then all the way to the other side, you had the clubhouse. So, you know, and we first I discovered the game in we were just hanging out like from outside the fences and watching all these teams playing football. And in Denmark, the younger team starts around three or 4 PM. And then the older teams like, you know, train around 8 PM, the male teams. So the beginning, we're just sitting there from, from 3 PM to 8 PM to see what's happening. And this is the first time that I saw a girls team playing football. And I was like, Oh my God, is this for real? You know, I, it sounds very dramatic. It sounds like almost from a movie, but I always describe it. You know, I literally was hearing the angels playing the violin and the violin was like, oh. <laughs> as they're running by you in slow motion. Had you ever seen women or girls play sports up until that point? No, never. And, 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 
I've never seen anyone play sports. Forget women, you know. I, I you uh, know, interesting. I, yeah, I, I knew my my dad used to play, you know, for the Afghan national team in hockey, uh, not ice hockey, but just the normal hockey, felt hockey, I guess. Uh-huh. And he also was very into football. He used to, uh, you know, love the World Cups and all that. But I've personally never seen anything I, I remember he gave us our first ball when we were in Afghanistan but we never played football with it we played I mean I tried a couple of times to juggle with it but otherwise we used to play other games like you know dodgeball or yeah. you know throwing balls um so when I saw it that how these girls were playing around with the ball and how smooth they were especially one girl I I I became friends with her later on you know I'm still friends with her on, fa- on Facebook he's her dad was the coach his name was Bo and she was doing amazing stuff with the ball. You know, I had like her hair loose, but had little fontaine hair. <laughs> you know, and have these old Barcelona-like, uh, you know, jerseys almost, like blue and red with the stripes. Yeah. I was like, Classics. So classic, you know. And I remember really want to be a part of it and I think that's where my obsession started with the game and we were all these kids you know running around in a refugee camp you know when there was no football on the field otherwise you know your courage kind of I got more and more courage I was getting closer to the field at a certain point we were like acting as their bold boys so every time they had shooting drills we used to run in the forest and bring the balls back um, and yeah a couple of months after I think three four months after I I gather the courage and ask the coach if I could be a part of the trainings or the like play. I don't know. Cause you know, you were seeing when they're warming up and I was trying to imitate, but it was, you know, you see them there and then later on you go home or in the camp and you're like, okay, she was doing this or this is with the passes. Um, and then I used to literally be with the ball on my feet for hours and hours until my mom <laughs> would call me to co- come back and go to bed. Um, what did it feel like when you finally got on the field or kicked a soccer ball? I was like, I mean, I was kicking soccer ball already. I mean, I was kicking a dodgeball already because we saw it and I'm like, oh, they're kicking. Let's kick the same thing. Everyone was chasing the same orange little pinky ball. But being on the field, suddenly I just felt, I don't know, I just felt home somehow. You know, I felt calmer. You were looking at what everyone was doing and you were falling around and then, you know, the passes. I think a couple of months went by and then I was giving this little note saying that I had, you know, say Saturday, 12 p.m. here, you have your first game. And uh-huh. I, was like, oh, God, I'm ha- I have to play a game. I remember running to my mom, like almost screaming that I need cleats. You need to buy me shoes. Everyone else wearing the shoes. We need. I need to play a game. It's important now. She's getting real now. <laughs> I'm playing a game, you know? And... And my mom, my mom was like, yeah, well, I mean, we have always so much. Everything that I already owned was for the secondhand store. Um, and yeah. somehow I had founded this green, white, I mean, it was most of it was green, super retro Irish national team jersey, I think it was. Because I think of the color, now I remember, with number 10 on it. And I used to wear that, I saw my God every day, day in and day out, day in and day out. And at this point, you know, I'm starting to also watch a lot of football because we had this uh, German TV RTL 2 with with Champions League. You used to show Champions League and Beckham was the thing at that point. And I was like, mom, you need to cut my hair like him. <laughs> 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 I, was, 
I was rocking the Beckham hair, but the problem was I have curly hair, so my hair was like <laughs> I was wearing this ass, same green T-shirt every day in school with jeans, and I had like I don't know. Oh my god! Uh, Nadia, is that why you wear number ten today? Um, actually, my favorite number is number nine um, because of Ronaldo Nazario, the Brazilian. I, when yeah. I saw him playing with the nine, I was like, this guy is sick. Like the way he was playing, I wanted to learn everything he was learning. I used to see something and then be just be out, out for eight hours in, in a row to, to try to learn that. So I think my favorite number is nine, you know, but I've played most of my life nine, ten and sometimes eleven when I was younger. That was me. That was me, Nadia. Double yes. number one, baby. <laughs> Most of my favorite players that you've seen play with nine, ten. You know, Rivaldo. I used to be a huge fan when I was younger. You know, later on Zidane. Uh, I was like, I mean, so Slavan even played with the ten. So I, I love playing. You know, uh, with ten or nine, I don't really care at this point. Nadia, you talking about the refugee camp and football coming into your life? I imagine you having to watch what was happening in Afghanistan recently was incredibly difficult um, given your history. And, and I, I believe you were helping some of those women get out as well that I read. Um, yeah, I think obviously uh, devastating to see what's happening in the country uh, that I was born in. You know, I feel like all that I've experienced once 20 years ago and I, you would think that in 20 years, then, things would change also yeah. you know I think since us invaded uh, and tried to bring democracy and try to uh, fight the taliban i thought okay things would have changed um and then i don't know just last year when when i feel the country was almost handed over to them back uh, i was very confused and I, I i couldn't understand that how can a terrorist group suddenly become a part of a government how can mm -hmm. they decide millions of people's uh, you know lives uh, how how's how is that possible so in that way i was yeah in shock and then of course in terms of the women's national team against the women's na national team um you know at that point sports is not even on the table we're talking about education you're not even allowed to have like the human right which is like having access to school this has been taken from you so sports is out of the question at that point so yeah for me uh, it's hard to hard to watch just because you know um, i feel bad for for the girls and the women uh, in that country uh, i feel bad because of their future looks so dark and and then and then mm -hmm. you know i can relate i was i was, I was born there and then it's horrible um, but luckily, you know, as you said, as you mentioned, a lot of the women's players got out. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them are in, in, in uh, Australia and Portugal. Yeah. Uh, spread everywhere. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I hope for them the best. I, I hope they have now they have all the opportunities um, uh, that they didn't have in Afghanistan. And I, I wish them the best and I hope they make the best out of it. My, my dream is obviously one day to to be able to be around um, the national team and try to, you know, kind of build it up somehow, uh, maybe from, from behind and being uh, one of the supporting roles. But for now, as it looks, it's very hard because you're mm -hmm. not allowed to do any sports. Um, 
Um, and you're yeah. talking the Afghanistan national team for women. You want to you want to help build that back up someday. I would love to be a part of building the team, like you know, the sports uh, in Afghanistan, because I think football is, has such amazing power. It's yeah. a great tool to 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 do this stuff, you know, to bring a change, to try to improve people's life, to try to have give them courage to you know to teach them about life in general. So because it's done it for me and I would love them to experience the same things. Uh, I can't wait to, to watch you in these next 10 years, honestly. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and be like, all right, Nadia, go run that world, sister. Go see, run it. I saw, my God, I have so many plans, you know, I just feel sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to start going. <laughs> but you know what? I hope I hope I'm not the only one. I know that this new generation of athletes in general, you know, yeah. they have to put it on their heart. You know, you see big things happening around like female athletes in particular. It makes me proud. It makes it makes me happy to see that they actually use their platform. Yeah. To, to go to go, do good, you know. Yeah. Okay. Next. I hope you're ready for this, Nadia. It will not require your knee yet, so you should be fine. Wow. It's the Lynn game. Okay. Okay. Nadia, you are about to go head to head with Julie in a trivia game. Oh, wow. All of the questions are multiple choice. Okay. There are five questions, best of five wins. Okay. At any point when I read the question and you think you know the answer, you can make your noise to chime in. You don't have to wait for me to read the whole question. Okay, noise. Well, that is, that is the next question. What is your noise maker? I use this. Boom. Oh, it's like, boom. It's like a, a fan against Nadia's hand. And Jules, what do you have today? Uh, I have my squeaky toy, which I'm not going to squeak because Swaggy is right underneath me and she will go apeshit, as we know. Okay. My dog. You're going you're gonna to be introduced to her in one second, Nadia, because I'm going to crush this game. Okay. I've been losing and it's time for me to crush this. Are you already trash talking? Okay. Yes. Depends. Yes. yes. Okay. Let's go. Good luck. This- the theme of this game is random stuff in medicine. Oh, wow. No. Okay. No pressure. Julie, you can brush off your... <clears throat> I was going to go to med school as well, Nadia, back in the day. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. You probably know this already, this answer. No, no. That, was like, uh, that was like five <laughs> centuries ago. Okay. Question one. What condition sometimes causes sufferers of strokes or traumatic brain injuries to speak with a different accent? accent? Is it a different? Yeah, they speak with a foreign, a foreign accent, a different <laughs> accent. <laughs> Is it A, what's it called? Is it A, a dizzy dialect, B, foreign accent syndrome, or C, Murray tongue disorder? Mm-hmm. Julie. I'm getting in early because I got to. I have no idea, but I'm going with Murray tongue disorder. Incorrect. No. Nadia, your choices are dizzy dialect or foreign accent syndrome. I'm going to go with the foreign accent syndrome. Correct. <laughs> good, good try, though, Julie. Good try. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Question you. two. Okay. What are blood cells shaped like? A, donuts. B, bananas, or C, pears? Donuts. I I, I got that one, right? Uh, I'm going with donuts. 
Well, I did it first. Well, I was thinking so. <laughs> I this is where it first. This is where it gets tough over Zoom because I don't I have instant replay. We're gonna give it. We're gonna give it to Julie on this one, so she can have a, a shot. Yes, one to one. Or, one to or one, it's baby. a wash. Or we say it's a wash because no. honestly, I couldn't I'll tell. I'll take it. I'll take it. Question three. Swaggy. What does a rhinologist specialize in? Nadia. Nose. Correct. <sighs> Did not know that one. Rhinologist. <laughs> Never heard of it. Oh, wow. Jesus. See, I'm telling you, it was five centuries ago. Okay. You, you can take the game with this one, Nadia. Question four. Approximately what percentage does laughing increase blood flow? Is it A, 20%, B, 50%, or C, 100%? What was it? Oh. I'm going to give it to, just to keep it interesting, I'm giving it to Julie because it was really close. 50%! B! Incorrect. Oh, come on! Nadia, is it 20% or 100%? 20. Correct. <laughs> you <laughs> Good try, Julie, good try. Dr. Nadim takes the win. Uh, well, I mean, this was very random questions, but thank you, appreciate this. <laughs> you did well, Julie, you did well. Uh, thank you, Nadia. Thank you, Dr. Nadim. Dr. Nadim. All right. Most pressing questions. Nadia. Yes. You speak nine languages. Can you say I'll have a donut the size of my head in at least two different languages? Yeah. Uh, in size of my head? Yeah. I'll have a donut the size of my head. Yeah. We can have donut. Uh, what language was that? That was Danish. And okay. I'm going to go German. Ich würde gerne ein Donut haben, die Größe of mein Kopf. Mein Kopf! <laughs> How do you speak nine languages? I don't know, Julia. I'm very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Best answer ever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very smart. <laughs> okay. Nadia, please tell me something you don't do well. Uh, there's probably a lot of things I don't do well. Um, I haven't uh, found any. But the thing is, uh, for me, it doesn't really matter if you do well, if you don't do it well. As long as you every day progress and you feel like there's a bit of movement, then it's okay. Snap, Snap you it! You don't, have to, you don't have to be expert in anything, you know. It's just like your own development. I think that's the crucial part. And I think, as I said, there's a pl- million of things I'm probably not great at. But you know what? One thing I know that is if I work on it, it always gets better. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. I would have just said, yeah, I do everything well. Thanks. <laughs> of course, yeah. Okay, our last segment, Nadia's high, low cheer. This is going to be the high of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you're grateful for who's helped you along the way. So, can you give, we'll start with your high. One of the highest moments of my career was probably getting my debut for the national team mm. uh, against the U.S. Uh, I remember playing against Christy Rampone uh, mm-hmm. and that I was subbed in 20 minutes in the game because the striker, our striker got injured with her groin. And then I had to man mark Abby Wambach the rest of my <laughs> game. 
And she didn't score that game. So it ended up me marking her the entire career <laughs> every time. we. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that was like one of the highest moments of my career, obviously, because it was such a big moment for yeah. me. Oh, love it. And Abby scores a lot. So that is a big high. You know, I think every time I remember so many times in the corner kicks, she's a beast and she's yeah. so good in the air the way she times it. And I'm not that big, but still, I think every time I man mark her, I don't think she scored. I'm just saying this. You're in her I, head. You were in her head for sure. I told her this when I met her. I'm like, Abby, <laughs> you never scored against me. And she's like, what, really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you haunted her. Okay. And you're low. Uh, my lowest. Um... Oh, that's a hard one. You know, I think obviously being injured is very low. But again, that's a part of the game. Um, I think, you know, I am um, losing, losing the euros was a hard one to swallow. Mm. Um, you know what? I know which one is my lowest. I remember feeling shit afterwards, very shit <laughs> in Portland when we lost, uh, it was a semifinals first playoff game or semifinals against uh. North. Yeah. I got injured in that game also in the, you know, my knee, uh, Sam Mewis injured me. I remember feeling so bad, you know, because I really wanted to win the first year of the league. Yeah. That was a low one. Yeah. But I think there's been so many also low ones because it's just a part of life. It goes like this up and down, especially. Yeah. But most likely injuries. Okay. And your cheer? Um, I think my youth coach in Denmark, uh, his name was Brian. He was someone, you know, that kind of almost took me under his wing like an older brother. Uh, and I think he, I was very, how do you say, uh, warm-headed or red-headed, you know, like my temperament used to just flow. Yeah. Warm-headed, I like that. Yes. Yeah, hot-headed, we call it. But I like warm-headed. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but but I remember him telling me to, Nadia, every time you get so, like, angry or in the red zone use your feet use your feet show them with your feet i think this is the thing that's always taken to me so he he obviously helped me a lot during my career often uh, on the field oh man so super good. quick i'm gonna sneak this in here nadia i saw you have step by step quite a bit on your instagram what does that mean to you i mean i have phases you know i think um Every, for me, as I said, progress is very important. And I think this things that you can see from every day, uh, you know, you take steps every day. And then at the end, you look back and you've literally walked a marathon. Um, I think most people who, when they go wrong is that they look at the entire marathon and they're like, oh, this is this looks impossible. What I always try to concentrate on is like what I have in front of me. You know, I, I can only work on one step at a time or one jump at a time. And, and, and this has been, you know, something that's followed me that one. And I have also started from bottom now we're here. I used to write this all the time. It was my hashtag. Um, just, I don't know. I think they kind of tell. What was, your, what was your hashtag? Say it again. It was like, start from bottom, start from the bottom. Now we hear the Drake uh, song. Start yeah. From, now yeah. Yeah. Hey, Hashtag is, you know, I take it to the step out of the time. Uh, and then, you know, also, I think, I don't know if this is a, a American or English saying, but in, in Persian, they say, qadra, qadra, so by each drop, you can actually create a C. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing, like step by step, you can walk an entire marathon. Mm. 
I know. Uh, so as I said, I always try to just do the minimal. Of course, you want to do more, but like for every day, if you just take one step, you've moved one step compared yeah. to. Oh, you are a gift, my friend. Thank so. you for appreciate thank, that. Thank you for sharing your story because I know it has inspired so many, and and we're just so honored to be able to share it on our podcast. And for Truly. you to be so candid about all of it is is incredible. So. I, I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're slammed with stuff too, Nadia. So thank you, my dear. Of course, anytime, anything for you, Julie. Oh, right back at you, Dr. Nadine. Anything for you as well. I hope they get that jersey done, honestly. <laughs> I've already I've already put in my two cents at Racing Louisville. I was like, get that jersey done, stat. Stat. <laughs> uh, so proud of her. Amazing human. All right. Takeaways, mm -hmm. Lynn. Go for it. I actually have two because when I asked her, how do you speak nine languages? <laughs> and without hesitation, she said, because I'm very smart. Duh. <laughs> I thought that was the best answer I've ever heard Agreed. to any question ever asked in the universe mm -hmm. well done uh and then i also love when i asked in the most pressing questions please tell me something that you're not good at uh her immediate response was great as well because she she said a lot of things and that's okay mm. the point being is that i'm making progress in all of them. I'm growing to get better. Mm -hmm. And she talked about her own development. And it's about your own development. If I can work on it and I keep growing, then I'm always getting better. And that's what I keep as a mindset. And I just thought, ah, I know. So good. Yeah. I felt the same way. And I'll roll right into my takeaway when Nadia said, step by step, you can walk an entire marathon. Yeah. And it's such an important frame of mind. Instead of being so hard on ourselves, yeah. instead, be of the mindset, oh, I'm actually getting better. Look at that. Yeah. Step by step. Because as we know, we can have the tendency to go hard on ourselves. So good reminder from Dr. Nadim. Questions permitted, Lynn. Jules, this comes from kcrumbly45 on Instagram. What is your favorite joke to tell? Oh, Kay, you're the best for asking. How much time do we have? I have to just pick one. Uh, it said, what is your favorite? Didn't say what are your yeah. favorites. No, it's not plural, is it? No. Uh, maybe we just do a podcast on all my jokes <laughs> one time. Uh, I would say my favorite joke to tell is this. I'm very partial to vegetable jokes. Um... <laughs> So there were two olives walking down the street mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're cruising along these two olives chatting away. And then all of a sudden it's not a busy road at all. It's just them on the street. <sighs> this big semi truck comes racing down this street and the olives have to jump off to the side. And one olive Joe is not getting up. So his friend goes over to him and he's like, Joe, 
Joe. And he's hollering at Joe. Joe is not moving. He's like, Joe. He's starting to get worried. Joe. Are you okay, Joe? Joe is not moving. So the friend starts to panic and he's shaking Joe. And he's like, Joe. Joe. Wake up, Joe. Are you all right? Finally, Joe starts to come to. And he's like dusting himself. He's like, Joe. Are you all right? And Joe goes, Ah, uh, I'll live. <laughs> I'll live. Oh my gosh. I have so much commentary about this because one, I think I've heard I think you've told this joke before. How many times? How many times have you heard me tell this and joke then, at Leadership Academy? I tell it every year. And then the other thing is I remembered the punchline, you know, probably about halfway through. But but three, I still absolutely loved the journey to get there. <laughs> uh, it's all about the energy in which you tell a joke. So I try these on my kids and I start giggling before the punchline. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look at you. Look at you. You're already laughing and you haven't even told us the joke. I'm like, it's so good. It's an anticipation of how good it is. <laughs> And then they just look at me. They don't laugh. Declan literally will just look at me and go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Come on, Declan. I know. Does that on purpose just to make me mad. I'm like, that is funny. He's like, it's not funny, mom. Uh, okay. Would, Thank you, Kate, for that question. Don't forget would, would you, you all. Would you like my yes. favorite joke to tell? Oh, yeah. I would like your favorite joke. Did you hear the one about the unsharpened pencil? Mm. It didn't have a point. <laughs> I was like, I know I've heard this one. <laughs> what do you call a deer with no eyes? No idea. I know idea. I got no idea. <laughs> okay. That does it for us. Don't forget that you too can ask really on point important questions like kate and our questions permitted episode i don't know if just it was drop us kate it but it's k k crumley k oh, it was just k. the letter k like so the I'm, letter k i'm not 100 all right sure sorry kate. it might not kate. be kate we'll just say k um, but don't forget you know the the more serious the better we we like to roll very hardcore hard-hitting here uh that does it for us Thank you to our dope village for listening. We love all of your comments you send our way. So hit us up on social media some more, please. And also while you're at it, if you could subscribe, rate, and leave us a comment on our Apple podcast page, that helps us out a ton. A big thanks to our sponsors. Yes, Ally from the very beginning and Dick's sporting goods and to kate diaz who's also been with us from the very beginning who wrote and composed our theme music she is a julie Foudy sports leadership academy alumni yes she is and remember kids as always sing it with us laughter, laughter permitted. permitted i don't know julie i'm very smart <laughs>